evening, guys. Good evening. What a blessing it is to see some, some, some extra faces in here, amen? Not just the Dundalk folk <laughs> coming up, amen? So, so glory to God. What a, what a wonderful day. I mean, I'm telling you, every time, we didn't take the van up here today. We took our, our car, so it was, it was a, you know, a, lot, a little bit more peaceful. You didn't have Tamara and Cynthia all jabbering in your ear the whole way up here. But I'm telling you, it's the same way as you're driving up here. I don't, I don't know what town that is, if it's new buildings, I think, but right, right when you're coming over and you can see that, that steeple off in the distance and you know you're just, yeah, you know you're just right on the verge. I'm telling you, something just starts stirring on the inside of me because I'm telling you, I'm telling you, God loves this city. I'm telling you, he, he is desiring to do something special in this city. He's desiring to do it through a people that will begin to yield unto him. Amen. I'm thankful that I get to be a part of it. Amen. It's the same, the same feeling that I used to get when we used to go around Dundalk and pray and, and seek out what the Lord was wanting us to do and planting a church down there. I'm telling you, and the amazing things that are beginning to take off there, I look forward to see it take place in this city and the people that's going to take place through. Amen. Because I can promise you, I can promise you by the Spirit of the Lord, amazing things are on the horizon. Amen. Amazing things are on the horizon. Not just because we've showed up here. Amen. But because of what he desires to do here. Amen. He's, he's bringing people. He's, he's stirring up hearts. He is desiring for his manifestation of his glory to come in this town that, had, that doesn't have necessarily maybe one of the greatest reputations in the world. Amen. Amen. But, th- but there is going to be a mighty, mighty move of God, and that's going to be the new reputation that's coming from this city. So glory to God. I have great news for you. Amen. We have closed on our building that is right down the street. It's on 76 Strand Road. It's like a walking distance. Uh, I don't know, about a quarter of a mile, Melvin, from here maybe. Uh, a quarter of a mile down in walking distance. So, so uh, be in prayer with us, uh, with with what God's going to do with this building. It's a, you know, we, great, we got it for a great price. There's going to be a lot of renovation that's going to take place. But I'm telling you here in the months to come, here in the weeks and the months to come, as, as we start building out the church, start seeing what God's wanting to do, and we start laying a sense of permanency here, I'm telling you, you know, we, we need some people to be hooked up with us in prayer, amen, and, and uh, be believing God for some amazing things to happen, amen. So I'll answer this question for, any, for anyone in here that's, everyone that's listening, or even the devil himself that consistently tries to come and push about to thwart what, what God's trying to do, I'll answer this question, why are we purchasing a building when you only got a handful of people that, that come and hear the word of God? Why are we investing in something like that? That before you have a congregation that 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 is believing God for it, that is that is you know putting money towards it or whatever. Why are we doing what we're doing? Well, I'll tell you because we're people that will believe what God has asked us to do. We're willing and obedient, and we will step out and do what the Lord has asked us going to do. I don't care if we got to spend money before people come. None of these things move me. You say, well, well, what if people don't show up to the church? I say, you don't know my God. Amen. You don't know when He speaks something to you and He asks you to do something. He is the one that will build his church. We just got to be obedient, amen, to do what he's asked us to do. We have to be obedient to do what they've asked us to do, amen. I'm telling you, I have have no care. I have no care to spend money. I have no care to spend money, you know, before things have been manifested, before they've, they've come to fruition. Why? Because I don't trust what the things I see. I trust the things that he tells me. I trust, I have belief in his word, not just his logos word, but I have a belief and a faith in his 
rhema word that he speaks into each and, out of the, each, each and every one of us. Amen. I'm one of those I say that I will put my money where my mouth is. Amen. And I believe God is going to do something amazing here, and he's already starting it. Amen. You say, you say, you know, that, that sounds like it may be a wee bit reckless. Amen. But how many of you know sometimes when you're standing in faith, it looks a little bit like it's reckless? Yeah. Amen. Because you may not have every, every I dotted, every T crossed. You may not have everything to prove things out. All you have is something that, to white knuckle is, is the word of God. And I'm telling you, sometimes to some people that may look reckless, but to me it looks like a mighty, a mighty man or a mighty woman of faith. Amen. And this is what we desire to build up in this place are mighty men and women of God. Amen. That know how to flow in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Amen. How many of y'all know it's not reckless to place your faith in the Lord? Hmm? There's a lot of things you can do that are reckless, but putting your absolute faith and trust in Him, despite every circumstance you see, every feeling you may have, every sense you have, every word that's coming into your mind, to put absolute faith in Him and in the Word of God, I'm telling you, it's not reckless at all. This is, this is quintessential biblical faith. Amen. That the Lord says, without this, it's impossible to please him. Without this, without this faith operating on it, it's impossible to please him. Because anyone that comes to him, amen, must know that he is one that rewards us. He is one that, that, that diligently gives back into his people, amen. And I'm telling you, this is amazing. It's amazing stuff. If you can, if you can actually learn to believe something before you see it, you're going to find that all things are possible. Amen. Amen. Haven't you all read that scripture? It says all things are possible with them that believe. Amen. See, all things are possible come when you can believe something that's already done before you see it come to fruition. Amen. See, this is some of the problems sometimes when we're believing for healing, we're believing for things that come into our mind. We, we sit there and we're like, oh, let me feel that. Is, is, is it gone yet? Is, is, is this gone yet? What, what am I feeling like? Listen, we don't go by our feelings. We go by what the Word says. Amen. We go by faith in what the Word of God says, not, not by a feeling, not by the things that we see. We are not walking by sight. Amen. We are walking by faith. Amen. Because I'm telling you all things. I could sit here and tell you testimony after testimony after testimony how God has done some amazing things. Any of you guys know who uh, Billy Joe Dordery is? He is a he is a pastor. Of course you do. Is a uh, is a pastor out of out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. He's now he's now gone to be with the Lord, and he has a small little church there, about eight to ten thousand people, and he, and it's right across the street from Oral Roberts University. Amen. And he has a, it's a powerful church. It's called Victory Church. Now listen, he was as he was going through Oral Roberts University, he was he was coming up, which is a Holy Ghost church or a Holy Ghost school, you know, that was planted by Oral Roberts back in the day. And he was sitting there and he'd come outside of this and God started stirring something on the inside of his heart. And it started moving, started started stirring up some things, and, and he started going out to this field, and he started looking out into this field, and, and God started speaking to him about a church that he was gonna plant there. And he couldn't see, now it was just, I don't know, maybe cornfields or wheat fields or something like that, whatever they grow up in Oklahoma. And he's sitting there, he's looking out. He's looking across that field, and God's sitting there speaking. He said, can you see it? He's saying, can you see it? See, there's going to be a beautiful building right here. You're going to have a car park over here. Can you see the line of people coming on the inside of there? Can you, can you see people getting healed? Can you see the word going forth? Can you see elders getting birthed? Can you see missionaries getting sent? Can you see it? 
Amen. And he began to stare and look and look and look. And then he brought his little son out there. He said, now, now son, can you see that? Can you see it? And his son's like, I don't see anything. He's like, can you see it? He goes, there's going to be a church there. I mean, there's going to be an amazing move of God over there. It's going to be a big church. It's going to, there's going to be people coming to that church. People are going to get healed in that church. People are going to be waiting in line to get in that church. Can you see it, son? And he did this over and over and over until his son even starts saying, I can believe it, Daddy. I can see it. I can see these things you're talking about. I can see it come to fruition. And what happened? They came to fruition. They came to fruition. And they built an amazing church. God built an amazing church through them. Amen. To even, I believe it's that son that he was showing that to. I think he's the one pastoring the church right now. Some amazing things. Amen. But the key is we got to be diligent and we got to be persistent. Amen. We got to be diligent and we got to be persistent to move and yield into what the Spirit of God is trying to yield and lead each and every one of us to do. Amen. So, what are we going to do? We're going to commit to study the Word of God. We're going to commit to build a foundation. Amen. To where what? To where we can have enough integrity on the inside of us to hold this weight, to hold this glory that God is desiring to pour out upon this land. Amen. You see, only then, only in when we have a great foundation in the Word of God, this is the only time, the only place where we're going to be able to be a strong local church, a strong body. Amen. That can flow or yield unto the Holy Ghost. This is the only way it happens. Amen. Now, now here in, in, in Hebrews chapter 6, we're in uh, at the beginning or a few weeks into a series we're calling the, the elementary doctrines of Christ. Amen. So Hebrews chapter 6, it's verses 1 and 2. It says, therefore leaving the principles of the doctrines of Christ, it says, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance towards dead works or faith towards God, or the doctrine of baptism and the laying on of hands, or the resurrection of the dead, or the eternal judgment, or of the eternal judgment, which, which is, these are called the elementary, as the Amplified says, the elementary stage, or the teachings of the doctrines of Christ. Now, last week when we talked about this, we saw that these are doctrines of whom? These are not doctrines of, of Pastor Ryan. These aren't the doctrines of some denominational Christianity you came from. These are doctrines of Christ. This is what Jesus holds as doctrines. These are his basic doctrines, his basic foundations that he's saying we each need to get sorted. We each need to have them solidified on the, each, on the inside of each and every one of us. Why? Because if you don't have these things settled, you can't build on the weightier things. You can't build on meat. You can't begin to, to chew uh, the advantage things of God in your life if you don't have these basic things settled. Amen. How many of you know that God hides revelation from us? Let me rephrase that. How many of you know that God hides revelation for us? Amen. He doesn't hide it from us. He hides it for us. You say, what do I mean by that? In his mercy, in his goodness, he is such a good and loving father that he does not pour out revelation knowledge of his word, great supernatural things, meaty things of his word. He didn't just pour them out for people that will handle them with care, without care, that will handle them with, with, with ease, that, that, you know, that are lackadaisical about them. He will not pour out these things. Why? Because we are accountable for the things we know. 
Amen. When God holds us accountable, Satan will hold you accountable for the things that we know. You say, what do I mean by that? If, if stuff gets poured on the inside, you start hearing things over and over. You start getting faith doctrines. You start getting healing doctrines. I'm telling you, you're going to have a little adversary called the devil, and he's going to come over to you. He's going to say, oh, so you believe you are the healed of God. Well, let me, let, me, let me see if I can sow something into your mind. Let me see if I can sow a little pain in your body to see if you believe these things or not. I'm telling you, church, we have to have some of these foundational things, you know, gra grab a hold of them, with, and I'm saying white knuckle them, amen, because when the adversary comes, this will be the time and the place where you can push back against them, amen, that we can push back against them. Well, let, me, let me prove that out for you here before we, before we continue on. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Let me start off in Let me start off here in verse 11. It says, Now all these things happened unto them for an example. And they are written for our admonition. Unto whom the ends of the world are to come. Now what are all these things that happened? Well, you can go back up to the beginning of chapter 10 and you'll find out. It says, you know, it says that they all have all the fathers, they pass under the cloud, they pass under the sea, they're all baptized into, into the law, they're baptized into the water, into Moses, and the cloud, and the sea. It says they all ate the spiritual meat, they all ate, you know, this manna that came down from heaven, they all drank from the spiritual rock. Amen. But still some pushed back against the things of God. Still some would not receive what the word of God had for them. It says some rebelled against them, and some of that rebellion, 23,000 people died. Judgment came upon 23,000 people that committed adultery with, you know, adultery with women, amen, and adultery in religion, amen. 23,000 of them died. Men and women of the, of the Jewish faith started rising up, started talking negative about God, started talking negative against his, his, his leader, Moses. And what happened? Serpents got, rose up and judgment came. They started, they started destroying people that are there. All, and it says that all of these things, every one of these things, they're written for who? They're written for us. Why? So you can be scared of God? No. No, it's not so we'd be scared of God. That's not why these things are written. These things are written so we can see the love of God. Amen. So you can see that God loves you so much that he will judge anything that comes against you, anything against his word, anything against his name, anything against his family. I'm telling you, you got a God that loves you so much. Any kind of adulterous relationship that tries to come against you, he will completely separate those things from you. That is the love of our God. That is the God that we have. Amen. I'm telling you, and these things are powerful. There's a, there's a, there's a statement from Mike Bickle that, that I love. It's a quote I use quite often. He says that, that God will judge anything that interferes with his love. God will judge anything that interferes with his love. You say, what does that mean? God will judge anything that interferes with you. I mean, anything that's coming against you, anything, any sickness, any disease, I'm telling you, any kind of people group that are coming to destroy his people, God will judge and he'll separate those things. Amen. Why? Because he loves you. His desire is to protect you. His desire is to build you up. His desire is to keep you, as Revelation chapter 3, verse 10 or 11 says, that he will, as we have kept his word, he will keep you. Amen. This is our God. This is the God we serve. This is, this is what we need to get, get in tune with. He says here in verse 12, Wherefore, let, us he, let, uh, let him that thinks that he stands 
take heed lest he fall. He says, so let anyone standing in pride or arrogance, anyone saying that they think that they can talk bad about the Holy Ghost, anyone that thinks they can talk bad about his church, anyone that thinks that they can talk bad about God's people, amen, and think that these uh, things are okay, he says, man, you better take heed lest you fall. You better take heed lest you fall. Fall from what? Fall from his grace. Amen. Fall into this position where you become a pawn for the adversary used as a tool to come against the church. Amen. In verse 13 it says, There hath no temptation that have taken you that is that as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. That you may be able to bear it. What is temptation, church? How many of you guys know that temptation is not the same thing for the reborn man as it is for the natural man? Temptation is not the same thing for the reborn Christian as it is for the natural man. You say, well, what do I mean by that? The things that tempt us in the natural before we were, before we were saved, they cannot be the same things that tempt us now. Why? Because that nature has been stripped from you. Our Lord says that, that if any man be in Christ, anyone that's made one with Christ, anyone that has been made in union with Christ, he has been made a new creation. He has been made a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. A few verses later, he says that he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that we might be made what? The righteousness of God in him, in Christ Jesus. Jesus has ripped out this nature. He ripped this. When it says sin in there, it's talking about a nature. It's a noun. It's saying he ripped out that nature that was on the inside and what did he do? He put in righteousness. He put in the righteousness of the, uh, the, the nature of the king on the inside of you, church. And I'm telling you, the same temptations you had before you get saved, they, they can't be the same temptations you have now. Amen. Now, you may, you've grown up in this world, you have things stamped upon your mind, upon your brain, listen, and you may yield to those things from time to time. You may, you may yield them to your flesh from time to time, but I'm telling you, that is not who you are. You are the righteousness of God. That is who you are. It's not who you used to be. It's not who you're going to be. It's who you are. Amen. But the Christian does have a temptation. Amen? You know, we don't have the temptation. To, to, we shouldn't be tempted to sin. We shouldn't be tempted to commit adultery. We shouldn't be tempted to be alcoholics or drug addicts. We shouldn't be tempted to murder our neighbor because they ran over our rose garden. We should not be tempted for these things. Amen? That's not what tempts us, but what does tempt us? What does tempt the Christian? It's doubt and unbelief. Doubt and unbelief is the temptation for the Christian. Doubt and unbelief of what? Doubt and unbelief of who God is. Doubt and unbelief of who God has recreated us to be. This is the thing that will destroy you. Amen. This is the thing that will hinder you and harm you. Amen. It is, it is something that we need to be mindful of and stay away from. Amen. See, this is why you see so many Christians acting like heathens. Amen. Because they, they, don't, they have doubt and unbelief in what the word of God says. Amen. And when you have doubt and unbelief in what the word of God says, you start lending into your natural mind, lending into your natural flesh. And you start doing things like the natural world does instead of like the supernatural man or woman that God has created you to be. 
Amen. So what do you do? You look just like the world. You look just like the heathen. They can't look at you and tell if you're a Christian or not. Why? Because you're not lending unto your spirit. You're not yielding unto your spirit. You're yielding unto your flesh and your mind. But I'm telling you, church, on the flip side of that, we may have the opportunity to be tempted. But listen, how many of y'all know that God does not tempt us? God is not the tempter. Amen. God does not, does not pour out temptation in your life trying to get you to struggle, trying to prove you out. That's, that's, God does not do those things. God doesn't even bring temptation to correct you. God corrects us by two ways. He corrects us by his word and he corrects us by his Holy Spirit. He doesn't correct you by cancer. He doesn't correct you by headaches. He doesn't correct you by taking all the money out of your bank account. This is not how God corrects us. He corrects us in his word and he corrects us by his Holy Spirit. God does not tempt us. In James 1.13, it says, Let no man say when he is tempted that I am tempted of God. He said, For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither does he tempt any man. Neither does he tempt any man. God doesn't tempt us. God doesn't bring any trials to destroy us. I'm telling you, but you do have an adversary. You do have an adversary that will lay snares out for you. He will put speed bumps in front of you. He will put mountains in front of you, trying to push you back, trying to get your gaze off of the king himself and start looking at the situation to focus on the situation. Because if he can get you out of the gaze, if he can get you out of that, that place of intimacy with him, church, he has you. He has you. And then you're going to have to struggle to get up out of that hole. Amen. Then you will struggle to get up out of that hole. This is why the, the word says in a few verses, uh, verses up from that James verse we just read there in chapter 1, it says, consider it joy. Consider it joy when these, when these temptations come to you. Consider it joy when all these things. Why? Because you have, you have the absolute privilege, amen, to show the devil, listen, devil, you're still underneath my feet. Listen, devil, I don't care what my body's trying to tell me. You're still underneath my feet. Listen, devil, I don't care what the situations look like around me. You're still under my feet. The God says, I'm all, he is the supplier of all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He says that 2,000 years ago, I was healed. He took stripes on his back. He was beaten and abused for me. Devil, I'm not listening to what you had to say. Get back underneath my feet where you belong for I hold the victory. Amen. Why is it joy? Because you can get happy. Glory to God. Come back again, devil. I'm telling you, I'll put you right back underneath my feet. I love it when you say that. People go, shh, don't say those things, man. The devil may hear you. Yeah, that's exactly the one I want to hear. Amen. That's the one I want to hear. I want him to know that I have the authority. I want him to know that Jesus reigns on the inside of me. I want him to know that I'm made one with him. I want him to know that I have the name of Jesus and I'm not scared to use it. I want him to know that I lay hands on the sick. Signs follow me because I am a believer. Amen. I want him to know. He's the very one I want to know these things. Amen. Hallelujah. He said, there is no temptation that can take you, uh, that, can take you that can, that is taken, but uh, hello. There is, there is no temptation taking you, but such that is common unto man. Amen. We can be tempted. But you can't be tempted outside of the things that you can withhold, that you can withstand. Nothing that's common to man. Something that you can't stand in faith against. Amen. You say, well, what, what does that mean? Well, it's like this. If you had a struggle with drinking before you got saved, before you got reborn. Amen. Every time you go and you get a nice, refreshing glass of ice water, you know, every time you go to put it up to your lips and take a drink, Satan cannot turn that into vodka. 
He can't turn that into Jack Daniels. He can't turn that into scotch or your favorite pint. He can't do that, amen? That's illegal, and he can't do these things, amen? He can't turn baby powder into cocaine. He can't, he can't do anything that's not common unto man, amen? So I don't want to hear anyone coming up to me and saying, man, Pastor, I sure have a drinking problem. You know, every time I go get a glass of water, for some reason, it turns into a tonic. You know, listen, listen, that is rubbish. Those things are, cannot take place because you can't be tempted outside of anything that is common to man. You can't be tempted outside of anything that is common to man, but how will the adversary tempt you? He will manipulate your thoughts. Amen. He will come into you and say, no, nah, no, nah, you weren't delivered from that. No, no, no. You see, don't you feel that urge coming up? Oh, look at that liquor store going down the street. You know, he'll start manipulating thoughts, throwing seeds in your thoughts. This is when you need to begin to rise up, amen, and say, no, devil. No, that's not who I am. I am the delivered of God. I am who God says I am, and I begin to walk in these things. We got to learn to grab a hold of what he says and put it underneath your feet, church. Amen. I'm telling you, God is so good. He is so good. He gave us his word. I mean, if you, if you don't know what it says, you can go into it and figure out. He's given us spiritual leaders where we can talk and we can sharpen each other up with, with the word of God. Listen, he's given us a church that can, that can help mold us and build us up and help you know, come in agreement with prayer with us. I'm not telling you, God has given us every tool we need to be victorious here on this earth if we'll yield ourselves unto it. If we will yield ourselves unto it, amen. It says... At the backside of this verse, they're not tempted above what they're able. But with all temptation, he will make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. I like how the, the Amplified says this. It says that you'll have a way out, the means of escape to a landing place that you may be able and capable and strong and powerful to bear up in the, under anything patiently. Amen. I'm telling you, that's powerful. Amen. Temptation may come, but God will always give you the exit. Amen. Things may, situations may come, but I'm telling you, God has already posted up the exit sign for you. Now, now sometimes we, we don't see the exit sign because we like to look through everything with our carnal eyes. Amen. But see, we need to start looking through things of the spirit. Amen. Because I'm telling you, things will come up, but the exit's always there. The exit's always there. See, I don't know if any of you have been in a, in a burning building with, with a fire going on, but listen, just because that building, that building catches on fire and it's full of smoke and you can't see two inches in front of you, I'm telling you, the exits are still there. Amen. Now, you may, have, you may have a fireman come in, call him for you, trying to grab your hand, trying to lead you in the right direction. But see, you have a choice to make in that instance. Do I follow this voice? Do I follow this guy? Or do I turn around and go find my own way? If I go try to look for the exit on my own, I'm telling you, if you go try to look it on your own, listen, church, you're in for a bad situation. Death will probably come to you. Amen. It's the same thing when we don't follow the leading of the Spirit. I'm telling you, God's always trying to lead you. He's always trying to direct you. He's always trying to, to speak to you, to, to, to show you the exit sign. But listen, you're going to have to allow yourself to place your hand in his hand and follow his direction. Listen, what happens if you don't do it? Sometimes it may lead to death. Sometimes it may lead to, to some things that, that are a lot more uncomfortable than what he's desiring for you. But the, I'm, the point I'm trying to make is the exit is there 100% of the time. We just got to get to that place where we listen to it. Amen. Why? Because see, I'm tell, why am I telling you these things? Because you're accountable for the things you know. I mean, we, we read these scriptures and, and we don't need to be blaming God for the situations that we got. And we are accountable for the things that we know. Amen. And we need to begin to operate in them. What we know and what we trust, church, can be life and death in your life. 
in your own lives, I'm telling you, what you believe, what you trust in this word right here can be a matter of life and death in any situation. I'm talking about walking around the corner right day. What, what you believe can be the difference between you getting smacked by a car or you deciding to go the opposite direction. I mean, it's as simple as that. God's not here to harm us. He is here to protect us. Amen. He is here to protect us. Now, getting back onto what we're talking here regarding dead, regarding dead works. Amen. Trying to finish up the backside of this here in uh, Hebrews chapter 2. Repentance from dead works. Amen. Now, listen, we're, we're responsible to know the truths about what's dead and what's not. Amen. We're encouraged, we're encouraged to re- have repentance from these dead works. Amen. What is that? Remember, that's that Greek word metanoia. Amen. It means to change the way you think. It doesn't mean come grovel at the altar. Amen. It means change the way you think. Stop thinking the way you're trained to think. Stop thinking the way religions taught you to think. Stop thinking the way your, your nations taught you to think and begin to think like the word tells you to think. Amen. That's called metanoia. That's called repentance. A repentance from dead works. Church, what is a dead work? Anything out of your mind. Anything not out of your heart can be considered a dead work. Do we have a, as we talked about last week, do we have any, do we have any dead works that are in the church today? Absolutely we do. Absolutely. You say, what are they? It's anything performance-based. I'm telling you, I know we burn incense. There's all kind of things that are going on in the church. But my, my main stickler is anything performance-based in the church. I'm telling you, it's an absolute dead work. Anything that puts the focus on this right here, this right here, or anything else going on, I'm telling you, it's an absolute dead work. I'm talking about dancing. I'm talking about, you know, work, art. I'm talking about, you can do all kinds of things. Listen, I'm not, above, I'm not, I'm not against dancing, amen? Praise God when the Holy Ghost comes upon people and they begin to dance. But listen, I don't need people wearing tight little things, whatever they are, getting up in front of people, and all of the focus is going towards them, worshiping and applauding man instead of worshiping and applauding God, amen? This and that, that is an absolute dead work. That is performance-based Christianity. And church, we need to get away from those things. We need to get away from those things. Hmm. We need to get away from those things. I'll leave it at that. So do we have works? And this is where I wanted to get to today. Whew. So bear with me. I'll make this quick. I'll make this quick. Do we have any works that are not dead? See, this is when most of the modern church starts to freak out. Oh, Lord, are you going to start talking about works? We're supposed to be in rest in Jesus. We're not supposed to be doing anything. Amen. We're, we are supposed to be at rest. You, if you do anything, man, that's, that, 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 that's, that's workspace, that's legalism, man. You need to stay away from that stuff. I'm telling you, that's not what the Word says. That's not what the Word says. Amen. Yes, we're supposed to be at rest in Jesus. Absolutely. We're supposed to be at rest in Him, but we, but we cannot, hmm. We are, we are to be at rest in Jesus, but not allow any of our works to think that it's going to bring us closer to him. Amen. Amen. 
We can't, allow, we can't have that, that mentality that the things I'm doing for Jesus is going to bring us into intimacy with Jesus because that's not the case. What brings us into intimacy with Jesus is, is receiving him. Amen. And receiving him brings us into intimacy. Yielding into that brings us into intimacy. Not anything that you are doing. Amen. So let's, let's, let's go here real quick for time's sake in James chapter 2. Now, in an effort to get balanced out from what we were talking about last week. When I say balanced out, I'm not saying balanced out with the world or balanced out with carnal knowledge. I'm talking about balanced out. Like anytime we talk about faith, you ought to be leaning into grace. Anytime you're talking about works you shouldn't be doing, we need to talk about works we should be doing. Amen? So we're not walking or doing anything out of the flesh or religion, but we're doing everything out of the renewed heart. So here in, in verse 14 in chapter 2, it says, What does it profit, my brethren? Though a man say that he had faith and have not works, can faith save him? Can faith save him? What does it profit? I say absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. Why? Because eventually the things that you believe is going to have to accompany with a work. Amen. You're going to, eventually you're going to have to do something if you believe something. Amen. You say, what do I mean by that? If I have a, a million euros in my pocket and Melvin says, listen, I know that man. I know him. I know he had a business. I know he's, he's trustworthy. I know he wouldn't lie to me. I'm going to, what, what is he going to do if he has all this reasoning ability on the inside of his head? He's going to walk on up here and he's going to get the million euro I have in my pocket for him. Right? Or are you going to sit there in your chair? You're going you're to get up. If you trust what I'm saying, if you believe me, you're going to come grab what I say that I have for you. Amen? Why? Because what you believe, there will be a work that accompanies it. No one's going to sit back if they believe someone has a million bucks for them. They're not going to sit back and not grab a hold of these things. I mean, you're going to come and get it. Amen? You're always going to come and get it. You always know those, uh, <laughs> there's always those people. Amen? There's, there's always those people, amen, that always tell you they're going to do something that never do it. Yeah. Any, any, you all know any of those kind of people? Yeah. You know, it makes it to where you don't trust very, very well because people say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and they never come through for you. I, I'll tell you, I, had a, I have a real good friend back in, back in Texas, and this is how we got to be good friends. You know, I moved to this, I moved to this new town, and, and uh, we had a, a little long dra- uh, gravel road going up to it and started getting some potholes in it. And I knew he grew up in the town. He had, they had a little farm out there. And he was in my Bible school class. And we're sitting there chatting. I said, I said hey, Corey, I said, do you, uh, I said, do you know how I can fix my road going up to my house? I said, what implement do I need on the back of my tractor? Because I grew up in the city. I didn't grow up out, you know, driving tractors. And he said, yeah, yeah, you need a box blade. Do you have one? I said, no, I don't have one. What does it look like, you know? And how much do they cost? And we started talking about these things. And he says, oh, he goes, okay, hey, I'll be, I'll be over at your house. Uh, I'll be over at your house next week. I'll take care of it for you. And I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, whatever. So I started looking up the prices on these things, trying to get things sorted out myself, you know? Well, I'm telling you, Friday evening came along, my phone rang. He's like, hey, buddy. As he always says, hey, little buddy, as he always says. He goes, hey, are you going to be around there in the morning? I said, yeah, I'm going to be there. And he said, I'm going to be over there at 730 in the morning. I'm going to get that road taken care of for you. And I was like, Kimberly, look at this. I said, this guy actually gave me a call and said he's going to come over and mine this for me. And what did he do? He actually showed up. And man, we had a great relationship. From Why? Because you could actually trust them. Amen. It wasn't something dead he was doing when something came out of his mouth. Amen. It was factual. Amen. It was good stuff. It says, it says here, 
In verse 15, let me get on. It says, if a, if a brother or a sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and not one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things that they need, which are needful to the body, what does it profit? Even so, faith, if it have not works, it is dead, being alone. It is dead, as the, as the Passion Translation says. It's dead, it's fake, and it's phony. It's dead, it's fake, and it's phony. You say, what does it profit a person? It profits them nothing if you don't sow it into them. But I'll tell you on the flip side that it'll profit you nothing because you can't, you can't stand on Luke, Luke 6, 38. It can't be given and given back unto you a good measure, priced down, shaken together, and running over. In verse 18, it says, Yeah, man may say, you have faith, and I have works. He says, show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show you my faith by my works. He says, you believe there is, there, there is one God, you do as well. Even the devils believe, and they tremble. How many of y'all know that the devils believe in God? Amen. Every demon believes in God. Satan, he believes in God. Amen. But see, they don't have the works to back up those things. They have a work of rebellion in their lives. So what happens? They're going to end up in hell for eternity. Amen. They're going to end up in hell. It doesn't matter what they believe. It matters what, it matters what they're proving out what they believe. In, in verse uh, 20 it says, But will you, O vain man, that fakes without works is dead. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he was offered Isaac, his son, upon the altar? Seeth you, seeth you how faith wrought or cooperating with his works? By works was faith made perfect. And the scriptures was fulfilled, which saith Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him as righteousness. He was called the friend of God. You see that how that, how that by works... A man is justified and not by faith only. Likewise also was Rahab the harlot justified by works when she received the messengers and had sent them another way. For, for with the body without the spirit is dead, so is faith without works is dead. Once you believe something is true, church, I'm telling you, there has to be an expression of faith that comes out of you. There has to be a, an action. There has to be a work that, that delivers the things that you believe. I'm telling you, even salvation even salvation. You know, what does Romans 10, 9, and 10 say? If you will confess with your, your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, you shall be saved. Amen, why? Because with the, with the heart you, you believe unto righteousness, with the mouth you confess unto salvation. What you believe, there's an action that comes. You begin to speak. You begin to speak these things. You can begin to confess who you are, who he is in your life. Amen. And it is proof positive of what will happen to you. Amen. I'm telling you, church, we can get... We can get deep, deep into some of these things, but listen, I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be huge on, on teaching on a lot of works-based Christianity, but I'm telling you, the things that you believe, it will make a change on the inside of you. It will change something on the inside of you, amen? It'll, uh, when I got saved and I got reborn, and something changed with me, you couldn't keep me out of the church every time it was open. Amen. Anytime the doors are open, I was there. 
Amen. I began to, to, to desire to pray. I wanted, I wanted to get to know God. I mean, it didn't start like off at two hours or something like that. It may have been 10 minutes, amen, but, but I desired to pray. I desired to study the word of God. I desired to begin to serve in the church. And when I, when I began to start serving the church, then signs from Mark chapter 16 and 17 started happening. I, I started casting out devils. I started healing the sick, amen. I started speaking in new tongues. I mean, amazing things started taking place because of what I believed it started manifesting in my life through the works that I was doing. Amen. But listen, listen, it didn't only change those type of works in my life. It changed behavioral things. Amen. See, I grew up in the oil field in Texas. Amen. As they would call us, your oil field trash, right? Why? Because it can be a pretty corrupt business over there. And I'm telling you, I had a mouth like, that was like a sailor before I got sold out to the things of God. Um, you can ask my, my beautiful wife. I don't know how she put up with it for so long, but every probably third word that came out of my mouth was an F-bomb. I mean, it was disgusting. I'm t- I can remember girls in my office back in, back in Texas, they, they'd start shutting my doors, when, uh, shutting their doors because that's all they could hear coming out of my mouth in my office, and they started shutting their doors because it was a little too much for them to bear. Amen. But see, after, I, after the switch got flipped on on the inside of me, it said something changed. I mean, I, it's not that I didn't want to cuss anymore or curse. It just stopped. It just stopped. I mean, to even my men, they came up around. They're like, like man, what's, what's going on with you? Man, something, something's just different. You know, you don't even talk like you used to talk. You talk like one of those weird, you know, like a, like a Bible beater type of person, you know? And, and, and they started seeing that I was going to church. They started seeing things were taking place. I mean, they, and then they started coming to me for things. I mean, I'm telling you, even business started walking through my doors because of the works that was taking place. I got to be known in the oil field as, as the Christian man, the strong Christian man in the oil field. I didn't even have to go get business anymore. You know what happened? It just started coming through my doors. Amen. I had, there, there is clients that that the guy that bought me out who had a lot bigger company than I did, he was trying to get these clients for ages and they just started calling me up. Hey, is this Mr. Penn? And I was like, yes, it is. They're like, hey, I was going to see if you could uh, just send me over a contract. And I was like, well, yeah, I'll send you over a bid. They said, no, I don't want a bid. I heard you're a strong Christian man and, and just treat me right and you'll have our business forever. And I'm telling you, it just started walking in our doors, walking in our doors. I didn't have to spend time on the streets anymore. I got to spend time preaching. Amen. I'm telling you why. Because of the works of what I believed, amen, started being expressed into the world around me and it changed the environment and it changed people. Amen. Church, we need to, we need to get in that place, amen, that we are focused. We allow his goodness, not just to, not just to come meet us when we come in, in Sunday morning or Sunday evening or Wednesday night or whatever it is that you're going to the church, but we need to allow his goodness to flow through us in everything we do. Stop, stop focusing on dead works, amen, but doing works because we love him, amen, because we're thankful for him, because we desire his presence and don't want him don't want any wedge coming in between him and us, amen. So, Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, and ask you to take anything out of us that is dead, anything out of us that's not of you, Lord, and, and refill us up with your spirit. Refill us up to overflowing of your goodness, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for a burning heart for each and every person that's in this room today, Lord, that they will have a burning heart to seek after you, to press after the things of God, to love on you, to adore you, Lord, and allow, 
allow you to be manifested in everything that they're doing. Lord, they'll do nothing out of their minds, Lord, but they'll do everything by the leading of the Spirit in their lives. Lord, we thank you for it, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that they will begin, as they begin to do these things, they will change their families. Lord, they'll change their cities, they'll change their job places, Lord, and they'll begin to change their nations. And we thank you for it, Lord. We glorify you for it, Lord. And we stand on Psalms 91, Lord, is the tradition of this house. Lord, that no evil will follow us, Lord, neither shall any plague come nigh our dwelling place, Lord, for you give your angels charge over us, Lord, to, to keep us in all of our ways, Lord, that, that we won't even dash our foot, we won't even stump our toe against the rock, Lord, because we're people that desire to dwell in the secret place of the Most High, Lord. We desire you over anything in our lives, Lord. We desire you over our families, our jobs. We desire you over anything and everything in our lives, Lord. We love you. We honor you, Lord. We thank you for this church. We thank you for the ambassadors of Christ you've called each and every one of us to be. Lord, thank you, Lord, here at Island Church. We are covered by your blood. We're empowered by your word, and we're anointed by the Holy Ghost. Amen.